Hey, this is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast. Why do they call me Nomad? Well, I traveled the globe, spreading the joy of music one song at a time. And now I bring you wisdom, tried and true knowledge, and life experiences of my colleagues and peers in this crazy business we call music. Welcome to the Career Musician Podcast with Nomad. Today I have my Goomba guitar brother, Joe Argello from the 516 Strong Island in New York City. This is the Career Musician Podcast with your host, Nomad. Okay, as Joe says, the 516. Here's the thing, Joe Argello and myself, we met out here in Los Angeles. We had no clue that we're both from Italian descent, both from New York, both played guitar, both around the same age, both have the same guitar heroes. I mean, come on, you can't get any more coincidental than that. But then to top it off, as Joe always reminds me, we got Joe Satriani, the Satch, and Steve Vai, who are also from from the same neck of the woods that we are, and they're both Italian guitar slinging brothers. So we got this little Italian guitar club going on over here. What I love about Joe is he's got so much passion, soul, rock, fire, and everything wrapped up in one. He's played with Robin Thicke, Jennifer Hudson, Backstreet Boys, Israel Houghton, and the New Breed, and Free Chapel Live, just to name a few. Here we go with Joe. We're at Nomad's Place, and I got the one and only Joe Orgello. My Italian brother from another mother. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> We're from the same hood. What part yeah. of Strong Island are you from? I'm from the very beginning of Nassau County. Probably the first town, which is Elmont. So, so that's like, way out west. And where I grew up. Saw my first concert there. And who was your first concert? 1977. My first concert was supposed to be Elvis, uh -huh. but he died six days before the show. So a couple of weeks later, I saw Glenn Campbell. Ooh. And um, yeah, that was my first concert, Belmont Racetrack. Wow. And I got to meet him. I got to meet him that day. And uh, I was four years old. So it was the, the only thing I asked him was, did you know Elvis? Because I, I was a huge Elvis. That was like, you know, really the first thing that made me want to, you know, want to play music or want to, you know. Wow. And um, yeah. And that was the first guitar player I ever saw, man. I watched him do what I'll never forget. He did the theme to the Lone Ranger, you know, like in between wow, songs. Do you know it? Was, no, I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Should have thought about that one. All uh, right, wow. But yeah, no, I remember, you know, being four years old and watching him like just shred, you know, on his on his ovation. Can you mm -hmm. can you explain what you mean by shred? Because that's before the term shred was even invented. I think I I know exactly what you mean. Right, right. But like you know, how do you mean that? Well, he because I know you don't mean it literal, but there's certain contexts. Right. Well, in his in his way, I mean, he was a picker. He was a Nashville, right. you know, chicken picker. Well, kind yeah, of. but he was he was you know single note guy, probably more than a, a chicken picking guy. He was. He, he had great technique. I mean, he's like very scalular. So, so bluegrassy, flat picking kind of? Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also like, Shredding it. you know, he could kind of, he had like Ingve chops. You know what I mean? Wow. It was, you know, I remember like I didn't, you know, I was four years old. Yeah. But at the same time, I just remember he was playing really, really fast. 
and know? clean and clean. And, and he was playing on acoustic. An he acoustic. had no ovation. Yeah. So it's Ingve Chops. <laughs> yeah. With some country influence. Oh yeah, yeah. But Yngwie, also rock and the early yeah. rock influence. Well, I mean, you what? remember Glenn Campbell was part of the Wrecking Crew, so he right. played on all the Beach Boys stuff. He, you know, he was, he was a lot more than a lot of people probably know him for. Recognize. You know, I mean, he was played on these iconic songs back in the day to see that as a young kid who was really into music and um you know loved the guitar i mean just elvis holding the guitar he didn't even have to play it that was like the first you know my first mental picture of like wow you know and um Yes, yeah, so it was Glenn Campbell at Belmont That was your Racetrack. first concert. Mm -hmm. so, so was he like one of your first influences then with Elvis then? Glenn um, and, and, and Elvis? Maybe or, or? subconsciously. I mean, my dad okay. used to play. My dad is like an audiophile. So oh, okay. our house was like a record store when wow. I was a kid. It was, you know, I was literally a kid in a candy store, you know, with, with, with music. And he loved everything from the Elvis stuff and the Beatles. And, and he loved a lot of doo-wop music right, and you know right. new york you know back then yeah, that 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 was the sound of you <laughs> hey, know that was the sound of the city and um, that sure was the sound yeah, yeah. and country music at that time <laughs> in the <laughs> 70s <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, and country music was, was like in the late 70s you know um in the early 80s you know there was that big resurgence in country music where right. it became like pop music mm. you know so there was a lot of that um I found a Black Sabbath record in my dad's collection, you know, and scared the wow. crap out of me, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, Motown stuff, you know, my dad is probably, he is the reason why I play music, you know what I mean? He was just a big music fan, you know? So I feel yeah. like, I feel like, you, first of all, you just confirmed, you just affirmed it. Uh, I feel like we are like the same dude because mm -hmm. my dad was my biggest musical influence. Mm -hmm. And uh, both growing up in Long Island, both Italian, you know, mm -hmm. of course my dad's from Cuba. Cuba. But, uh, still, and then, dare I say it, drum roll, we both were studying under the feet of EVH. And, right, uh, right. And so... I love the fact that your initial, the initial impetus didn't come from Eddie. No, not for a long time. That's really Actually, cool. Actually, well, there's, there's a lot that happened before that. Um, Wait, there's guitar players before Eddie? <laughs> well, it wasn't no, even I love guitar that. players. Just music. Just music, you know, back then, especially in New York, and I didn't realize it at the time, but, you know, I'm... We were too young to to get the the punk stuff and the glam rock stuff. It didn't yeah, it that. didn't affect me, but the disco stuff did, mm. and that was unknowing to me at the time. A big huge influence on right. you know here you know my dad had Chic records. I was listening to right. Nile Rodgers. Nile Rodgers before and you was, even knew what that was. Yeah, yeah, and um, the Bee Gees was probably the first thing that really really. You know, my cousin, Steve, yeah. we used to play music as as kids, and, and that was our first real influence. You know, at that time, everybody wanted to be Kiss, you know, in the late 70s, and me and Steve wanted to be the Bee Gees. So the Bee Gees music had a That's big a influence on my writing and how I heard music, like those chord changes, you know, when you would hear like... So we mean, yeah. You know, stuff like that. It would always like kind of tug at my heart, and I didn't know what that was. Those at add the time. nines, the major mm -hmm, nines, mm -hmm. the susses, yeah, the minor yeah. stuff. The upper tension. Upper tension, yeah. 11s, mm -hmm. yeah. 
all that stuff wow. would, would would always have an effect on me emotionally, you know, and I didn't understand what that meant. I know, like the then. way you just iterated that. That really makes a lot of sense because if you think like an E flat chord, but then you take away the G, you put the F, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then you add the major the seven, seventh. but then but because of the F, it's the major. See, like, and then honestly, if you just break that down, it could just be a B flat, B -flat triad chord, right? With an with E flat, e -flat in the bass, you know. Mm -hmm. But the way you said that, and it was tugging at your heart, it's mm -hmm. interesting how chord tones mm -hmm. can actually tug at your emotions. Yeah. I mean, what's yeah. that all about? Yeah, well, <laughs> Isn't that a especially trip? when you're four or five years yeah. old, you know, to, to be affected that way with, with music was, was a trip for me. And I didn't understand it. You know, I just, you know, I, I would listen to these songs over and over and over. And I still listen to them right. all the time. And I'm still affected by them right. that way till this day. To me, that's the Bible of, of modern day songwriting. If you listen to those BG songs, you know, you know, you have the Beatles right. and you have the great stuff that they did. And to me, after them is, is, is the Bee Gees. You know, That's these cool. guys, they, they paved the way for for so much. And know? then, like you said, Chic, the disco scene. So when did the yeah. soul R&B bug bite you? Well, we used to go roller skating all the time, you know, That's and right. that's where I would hear music, the you know, rink. the radio, but mostly the, the roller rink, you know, we would always go. And yeah. um, the Jackson 5 was like probably the first album that I had on my own, Skyrider. By the Jackson Five, wow. and then but like in the disco days, it was um, shake your body down to the ground. And I remember, yeah. you know, picking up my guitar. I had this little acoustic guitar, and I would try and play stuff. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even yeah. know if my guitar was in tune. But I would be like, you know, and, and I didn't. <laughs> I had no idea. You know, I would just play what and I. Who heard. did that? Shake your body. The Jacksons. The Jacksons. Yeah, yeah. So I Ooh. could. I would take my guitar. I had this really crappy acoustic guitar. And the action was like this high. Right. I didn't even know if it was in tune, but I would play, try and play things along. I didn't know what I was doing. I couldn't play chords. So you're cutting your teeth at the right time. Yeah. You're I mean, really I, but I didn't know. It. You know, I didn't know. Yeah, but that's that okay because you, you know, felt it and heard mm -hmm. it. And then Off the Wall came out. Ah. Uh. And that was when I started to hear guitar parts. You know, and I would pick them out David like Williams um, and Paul Jackson um, Jr., right? Anything that had single notes in it, like you know, I couldn't play chords. Right. So when I would hear stuff that had notes in it, I, and I didn't even maybe even know that that was the guitar, but I loved that part, so I'd try so and play it on 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 my little acoustic, and I would pick them out, you know. So anything that had little riffs in it. I could learn. So I could play these songs, not well, but I, I was able to pick them out and oh, learn yeah. them. Wow. You know, but I couldn't I couldn't play chords, you know. So that you know, that came a little later when I started taking lessons. So I had all these these little so I think that's what kind of really started to the R and B stuff started to, you to sink in. You said it at lunch earlier. You said we grew up on the Riff Masters. Yeah. And yeah. you just played four or five pieces that are so exemplary of that. They're mm -hmm. not only were these songs crafted so well, but the the lyrics, the songs, the melodies, but then they had the musical arrangements, the riffs. Yeah. Those four riffs you just played, as soon as you play them, mm -hmm. immediately identify. Right. Right. Well, back then, you know, things were still guitar driven, even the disco music, you know, right? right? And you hear like, um,
you know, all that stuff. I mean, that was like, it was on every day, you know. So that voice, those voicings are so informed. Like, mm -hmm. those are smart voicings, right? Right, 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 right. Whether the well, cats Nile back then... He did know. Yeah, he, was, yeah, he, he was, knew. See, he mm -hmm. was, Well, Nile Rodgers is brilliant. You know, so he, he, was, he was paying attention. Mm -hmm. He was a jazzer. But even, like, so some whether they knew or they didn't know, mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Right, right. It was still informed, mm -hmm. and, and there was somebody in the room or somebody involved in the overall production or arrangement who was like, yeah, you play mm -hmm. that, I'm going to have the strings do this, I'm going to have the keys do... You know, so... Mm -hmm. I mean, and I miss those days because that's when bands were in the room together yeah. creating, right? Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. Now, it's coming back, I do believe, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's the good it, it's, news. It's, some of it's there. But I love I loved that you, you shared this history with us, how you came up, mm -hmm. because that, that is a rich musical history. Yeah. All right, what do all New Yorkers have in common? The sense of what good pizza is, for crying out loud. I know a good pizza pie. And yes, you call it a pizza pie because you take the triangular slice and you fold it and it drips down the grease. And oh my God, I can taste it now. It's so freaking good. So anyway, Joe and I connect on that front. But then we also love to talk guitar and shop and music and all that stuff. But then we just like to kick it. We go back. What I love about Joe, once again, is his passion and fire. He He's very similar uh, to my style in that we both love funk, R&B, and soul, but we also came up with rock. So we kind of try to blend the two styles, and uh, it's very cool to have some friends that do the same thing or similar, but once again, although we're similar, we're not the same because we each have our own unique voice. And guess what? We don't even trip because we do not compete for work. You know why? Because everybody has their lane, and you stay in your lane, and you spread positivity, and the world is a better place for it. Let's get back to it with Joe. Make your voice heard. Leave a review and subscribe at the Career Musician Podcast. You know, I, I wasn't thinking about being a lead guitar player just yet. Um, we had, we were really involved in our church back okay. then, and um, our pastor at the church was this lead guitar playing Hendrixy guy. We had this big rock band at church back before rock bands were cool we're at hip, church. Yeah. but I mean yeah. these guys were like cream they were like Ooh. Hendrix and they would sing about Jesus right. so anyway we were very close with the pastor and his family my dad was very involved in the church and um, they were making an album so we'd go to the studio my dad would take me to the studio and I would just sit there and watch this guy just well my first real guitar hero was was him you know wow. and I'd watch him do these licks and it was just bluesy stuff like he played you know, just Ace Frehley kind of stuff, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I'd be, you know, like, wow, you know, and he was lefty, so it was it was so far out from right because now you're looking at it flipped yeah, upside down, yeah. the whole thing is so out of shape. you know, wow. I thought righty guys can't do that, you know, it was just for the lefty guys, you know, and I would see Hendrix, I'd be like, see, same thing, I, you know, <laughs> it kind of grew from there, you know, but I guess before Eddie. You know, it was those songs. It was MTV. You know, I would, yeah. I would, you know, sit there and watch like the first days of MTV. I remember yes. when MTV came out, and you know, it was like in the summertime. My mom's like, "You're not gonna sit here and you know watch and TV I was like, all day." But yeah, but I showed her. I was like, "Now I know how to play the songs. I can watch." You know, and I used to hear you know. Um, I was like, that's how you play that song, you know? 
and I was taking lessons at the time by then, you know, so I knew all my chords. What now, I love about this, I'm getting a little history guitar lesson because yeah. I didn't <laughs> pick these any of these up. Yeah, I heard them. Right, I just right, didn't right, cop right, them. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I those love songs, that. I mean, you know, not, and that's what I would figure out. That's but, awesome. Yeah, so I mean, you know, and that was the thing. There was that guitar was solos in yeah. every song. There was guitar but, in every song. In every radio. song, but but you don't understand, people who can't see this. You have to understand. Joe comes from we cut obviously we cut from the same mold, but he's got a plexi pedal over there. That's the Marshall Plex Marshall Plexi. That was Eddie's original sound. Mm -hmm. Not only does Joe know how to play it right, he's got the right sound. So even if he's going through an old basement, which actually is is the original, it's a Marshall. Uh, it's a Marshall Plexi yeah. chassis. So mm -hmm. so anyway, but the nuances, folks. Okay, and this is what I want everybody to understand, and all you guitar players out there who aren't hip, you're like, oh man, I haven't really ventured out into the amp world or to the pedal world or to really the, the tone world because it is a big mm -hmm. world with bazillions of options. You have to understand something. I'm making a big deal about it, yeah. Joe, because you just nailed it. Hi, I'm Nomad, host for the Career Musician Podcast. In my 30 years plus as a professional musician, I've done just about everything to earn a living in this crazy biz. Studio musician, world tours, local club gigs, teaching, composing for TV and film, you name it, I've done it. Through this process, I've curated a vast network of talented music makers and shakers. So now I'm sharing with you their insider look of the industry with advice and anecdotes of which I think you'll thoroughly enjoy. It is my desire to inspire, motivate, teach, and reappropriate the power that musicians have in the art of music itself. The Career Musician Podcast with your host, Nomad. All right, Joe, what I love about your playing, what I love about your playing is you're so diverse, and uh, that's why I really do, because we're buds. I mean, we're mm -hmm. both of the same, we're cut from the right. same mold. We're, we both grew mm -hmm. up with this desire to be a studio cat before yeah. we even knew what a studio was. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, you know, I never really had a desire to be in a band. You know, I was ah. in bands as a kid. Yeah, I but was. It kind of grew. Then you. Then, once I started learning more about the guys that I really loved. Once right. I got into Steve Vai and Steve Lukather and understood, yes. you know, it was more appealing to me to see those guys playing with all these different people all the different cats. And, and experiencing all these different types of, of music and all right. these different kinds of gigs, you know. And I loved being in a band with my friends, but I always knew that that wasn't where I was going to end up. Same here. So mm -hmm. it's like we were, we were aspiring to a higher calling without even knowing what it was. Mm -hmm. Perfect segue. Now we know your history, we know your influences. Tell me a little bit about your credits. And, and you know, a lot of guys are like, oh man, I don't wanna talk about my, it's not bragging, it's like letting mm -hmm. people know, look, this is what I've done, this is what I do. I know you've been with Robin Thicke for quite a while. Yeah, R&B superstar, mm -hmm. Robin Thicke, Alan Thicke's son. Yeah, right? yeah. 10 years, so uh, aside from that, tell us some other. Um, the first kind of thing I ever did, I was 16 and I played on some stuff for Public Enemy when I was, wow. In, in a junior in high school, I think it was. I was in this band. Um, me and my cousin, Steve, got into this yeah. band that um, they were like a studio band, sort of. And the guy who was sort of like the mastermind behind the band, they were like twice our age. We yeah. were still in high school. And these guys were in their mid-20s, late-20s. And um, the mastermind behind it, um, this guy, Alan, he was a pretty happening engineer. Yeah. And he did a lot of hip-hop stuff. He would have me come in and, and, and do sessions. You know, I was this kid, wow. you know, and I'd come in and do these sessions. And he... How old were you? I was 16. 
And like he would get me sessions. Like I remember I did a session for this guy who was an Elvis impersonator, and you know he was wow. doing like some, you know. But it was kind of like soul kind of stuff, you know, and stuff that the, that I was playing before that yeah. I kind of knew that at that time I wasn't really playing because I was into all the Steve Vai yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but you but still had that background, I still had, you still had that it. foundation. Yeah. So I, I did work on some stuff for Public Enemy. I think it was their DJ um, Terminator X, like some wow. remix stuff for for them back in the day but yeah that was like the first real kind of credit i ever had you know what other credits you got um well then i went to college and i came out and i started doing a lot of dance stuff yeah like um playing on some dance records that were like you know pretty popular records back i guess in new york and stuff at that time it was a lot of house music and everything wow. and then i actually started doing it was like the age of the remix you know, back then, like the late 90s and stuff, early 2000s. I think you told and me you were yeah, a remixer. Yeah, yeah, me and Steve, we had like a little production team and we were doing remixes, like stuff for RCA and stuff, you know. So really? That sort of became, well, there's a whole other thing, you know, that happened. I went to college, you know, I went to music school. And the day I got to music school was like the day Smells Like Teen Spirit came out. Oh my Nirvana. gosh. So it was like everything I worked for, you know, practiced for, you know, back then, you know, to play like Steve Vai and, and stuff like that. Because more chords now. Yeah. That's it. Overnight it became exactly what not to do. You know, I, I got calls from like, hey man, you know, we want you to come and play with us. You know, do that Steve Vai shit, man. Do that. Yeah, yeah. To like the very next day, do not play like do Steve Vai. You know, he was the poster boy <laughs> for that. Right, so, so you're cutting your teeth in the studio, you're doing remixes, you open your own production company, and then what happens? Did you decide to move to L.A.? Or? Yeah, well, I always knew, and this was a weird thing, like, I always knew ever since I was a kid that I should be in L.A., yeah. you know? okay. Um, I saw the movie The Jazz Singer when I was a kid. Ah. Remember, remember the jazz singer, Neil Diamond? Yeah. It was kind of stupid, but that movie like lit something, you yeah. know, lit a fire inside of me. You know, he was this dude from New York, had nothing going on. You yeah. know, he moved out to LA and became this huge rock star. Yeah, yeah. And just the thought of like, I just the movie, just seeing him in LA and in the studio. And I was like, right. I was so inspired. I was like, wow, that's what I need to do. Like Neil Diamond, I need to be right. about that. <laughs> you know? be like Neil and, Diamond. And I would see the movies Sweet when we were kids, but it was Diamond. cooler then. You know, love, yeah. love on the rocks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, <laughs> anyway, yeah. so then I would see the movies like Fast Times at Ridgemont High and The yeah. Karate Kid, and I was like, "This is I belong hanging out with these this people." Is what I wanted to. So and you know, looking at all the records, all the guys I loved. I mean, it was all made there. You know, it was all, everything yeah. from Thriller to the Toto records, and the same guys playing on everything. You know, Steve I was there. You know, was yeah. like, Eddie was there. You know, I got to be there. You know, so you know, a lot of stuff happened. Um, in in the the 90s were a weird time for for me as far as just like you know you're supposed to find yourself in your 20s and I kind of was so lost I didn't know what I was doing you know like I can relate. playing jazz and trying to right. you know be that relate. guy yep. you know and I guess you have to go through that stuff as a you musician do. you know but I had a few epiphanies you know along the way but what was funny was you know I was in that frame of mind I'll go back a little and I went to go see Prince by myself, mm. I went to go see Prince play, do this show, and I had like front row to see Prince. Dude. You know, and he comes up there and just plays one fucking note, and it just, it, it killed me. And I was always a huge, huge Prince fan, you know, and it just kind of set things as far as me with the guitar 
in, in, in a whole different way. It aligned you. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm not a jazz guy. I'm not, I'm not a bebop player. Right. I want to play one note and watch these, you know, 20,000 people go nuts. Go nuts. And that was sort of, you know, the whole thing right there for me. It changed a lot wow. of things. And, you know, it made me realize as a guitar player, I think it's, and you'll probably agree with me because we've both been through sort of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're a studio guy and, and you you play songs. Mm. I think it's it's a lot harder to play something simple but make it really effective. Make it really effective. Then then to you know, just then to play, play a bunch of notes a crazy and, and, shred fest and, and have it just yeah. go over everybody's head because you're appealing yeah, 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 to yeah, yeah, a small yeah. group of people. Right, you know, very small group, and and who are all narcissists and really don't right, give a shit and don't about care. you or mm -hmm, anybody else mm -hmm, anyway. Mm -hmm. So I learned <laughs> very, you know, very quickly yeah, once yeah. I started getting into you know all the crazy harmony and all this this yeah, stuff yeah, that yeah, I was yeah. doing, and I'm like, it, it's making sense, but it doesn't move me, right. you know. And I'm not saying jazz sucks or whatever, but it wasn't who I was going to be. I'm yeah, a songwriter. Right. It goes back to the Bee Gees thing. You know, I was always That's affected by that. Huge and I, difference. And I started writing songs at a very young age. But let so, it be known that those guys were pulling on jazz influences. Right, well. right. E oh, flat major mm -hmm. nine and mm -hmm. minus. Come on, well, dude. You know, that, minus that seven, was flat the thing. Fives. Even guys like Nile Rodgers, you know, they chose to. You know, they knew how to make that work. That's you right. Know what I mean? They used just enough of it mm -hmm. to appeal to the masses. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love that. So that was like a, a big epiphany for me as far as just the way it, it was me coming into myself well you found in your principles find, mm -hmm. your true belief yeah, your inner yeah. core values and mm -hmm. principles right yeah and it, and it helped me to take everything that I loved and meld it together Culminate. and, yeah, and yeah. make me my tone my, my sound you know what I mean and um, I think it's, that's probably the most important thing for musicians to have you know and it's the one thing you know I know we're going to get into the whole social media thing and, and you know the younger generation players and, and what we've been seeing right. and what we always talk about and especially out here in LA mm. because everybody's trying to get a gig and everybody's trying to fit in and that's that's all cool but I mean you, you have to develop your own voice mm. and you have to be unapologetic about it I think that that's your that's what tone is to me you know uh, but so, so what I always say is methods and techniques change but mm -hmm. principles never did. Right, right. right. So mm -hmm. you, you found your principles, you, you mm -hmm. built them, and now and, and as you go along, your, your methods and your techniques of, of gaining knowledge and, and learning things and experimenting might change, but your core value system is still the same. Yeah. yeah. And I think what you just said is accurate. It's almost like sometimes the newer generation doesn't have a core value, that they're mm -hmm. so busy. You said it again earlier. It's content. Content versus mm -hmm. connecting, yeah. human connecting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. You know, and Take I think that that's, that's the thing. We grew up in an age where if you wanted to play along to something, you had to go get a bunch of guys and, and play with them. And you had to ask them, and you had to be, sorry, mm -hmm. you had to be reverent. Mm -hmm. You had to be like, hey, Mr. So-and-so, I really dig what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, man, I'm like, is it okay if I study under you? Or can yeah. I jam with you? Or, or yeah. can I, you know. Come and just be right. a fly on the wall. Right. You know? I had a teacher in college that was... Um, he was like a, a pretty happy infusion guitar player, and I yeah. would go to all his gigs and just sit there, right. just sit there with him and just just thing. soak it all in, you know. And um, I would play with him, but I would watch him come alive when he was yes. when he was 
on stage with other people and I would see the brilliance in him come out and I'm like man you know incredible yeah right? yeah and and that's you know it's it's hard now a days you know just I watch these these super technicians you know and we could have a whole other podcast on, on just this <laughs> yeah, one, yeah, we could. you know but and and all these these cats out here you know they're good musicians they're good players Great musicians but you know I think that having your own voice is going to make you win in the end I agree instead of chasing chasing mediocre um, I, I can't even say mediocre but like Michael Jackson said it he's like learn from the greats and be better than them there you go you know there not you learn from the goods not, and, 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 and be, and be equal. gooder <laughs> or be equal. you know what I mean but, but, but even let's put that in context because it doesn't necessarily mean better technique wise it doesn't mean like well if I can pick you know my modes so let's say I get them up to what I think at the peak of my practicing days I was probably up to like 150 16 mm -hmm. notes right okay it doesn't mean be even faster than that it doesn't mean get it to 200 BPM what does it mean to you to me it means to take everything that you love to take everything that that moves you and make that into your own right your own style and that's really what it comes down to it's not faster it's not better right it's it's your personal connection because there's i always say mm -hmm. there's no better in it's just like mm -hmm. there's no metrics to measure it like there are sports no no hey you know to each his own but i think that people get past the the thing of what they're supposed to play and what they're supposed to sound like, then to just be yourself, just man, be yourself, and be unapologetic, because the greats became that way. You know, Jimi Hendrix wasn't playing like anybody else. Nah. He wasn't following nah, any book. He wrote his own book. Wasn't. You know what I mean? I mean, when he wrapped his thumb over the top of the neck, yeah. or for him, the bottom, I guess, and, and when he was doing... You know, he's... You're not supposed right? to do that. Right. You, actually, if you did that, your teacher would yell at you, right? So that's, that's a great point. You know what I mean? But, you know, by doing that, he changed the way we... He changed the way yeah. you think about it. So Joe has some crazy touring stories with Robin Thicke out there on the road. And for one, I think it was about a week, a handful of years ago, we were both at center staging. I was rehearsing with Babyface, and he was next door with Robin Thicke. And we used to hang out in the hallways, listen to each other. And i never forget, he came over to me, he goes, bro... Do you know something? For an R&B artist, a legendary R&B artist, your guitar is freaking loud. <laughs> I was like, why, thank you, Joe. I take that as a compliment. Uh, I always say that we're an R&B band that plays like a rock and roll band. Anyway, uh, it's a lot of fun. But look, speaking of playing live, I want to talk about stage volume. I know that is something that a lot of us struggle with or it's kind of like you know taboo but here's the deal here's the deal folks if you are not the front man if you are not the singer in the center spotlight or you know the lead act the principal if you if you will then you need to be sensitive to everybody in the band and to what the principal artist wants as far as stage volume you can't be too loud i don't care what instrument you play bass drums guitar keys if you sing you play whatever it is that you're doing you have to be sensitive to everybody around you on stage. So let's all keep that in mind and share the good word. Thank you, Joe. Add the career musician to your playlist on Spotify. Yeah. So look, we're going to make this happen. This last section, pop. 
the career musician. This is all about empowering upcoming generations or aspiring uh, career musicians like ourselves, or even people, I don't care what age they are, what group of, or faction they're from, but just they really want to do it. And they need some advice, they need some input, they need some guidance. So I'm going to ask, ask you a couple quick shots here. Sure. Uh, touring essentials, mm -hmm. like whether it's gear or peripheral, I don't care. So if, if you say, I got to have a toothbrush and this, then fine, tell me, mm -hmm. what are your touring essentials? Um, I need my iPod. <laughs> I still, I still, you still have use an iPod. Because Great. It has, it, it, that thing, man, that's more important to me than than anything. That's okay. my that's my sanity. It's it you, you know, go. I still have music on my phone, yeah. but all my essential music that I need to live is is on that. Your thing. audiophile collection oh, that your dad yeah. taught mm -hmm. you is on that. Everything side. is on there. Great. Everything is on there. So all that's right. what like, else? that's the first thing I pack okay. with me. Yeah. Um that's 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 really the one thing I really look for besides the essentials that you need. You well, let's need talk about clothes. gear. Yeah, let's talk well, about okay. the obvious. You if, know, well, if we're as going, a guitar player, right, right. This guitar comes with me wherever I go. Okay, this is my main, my number one. And who is it? And it's made by Carvin. Well, the Kiesel family now, but this is uh, this Carvin. is before they they switched the names. And this is um, this is a semi hollow. Uh, it's their SH575 okay. model. And with Robin, I need a trim pedal for a couple of songs. So I have a trim Do you bring pedal. a delay on, on the yeah. cookies? Okay. Carbon copy. Just keep it small and simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. That, that's about it. So all this other stuff, that's this is just quick extra. tour essentials. Yeah, yeah. All right. How do you carry the whole So You got your guitar. Mm -hmm. We got your iPad. You have a mm -hmm. backpack and your clothes. How do you, I mean, I'm like, I'm, okay, I'm, for pretty, flight I'm pretty pragmatic about this. I like right, to right. know how everybody mm -hmm. compartmentalizes so things. I'll you know. bring, I'll bring my guitar. Yeah. Which I can on, know, in get a gig on the bag. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, my I gig bag. Okay. And um, usually I'll stuff as much stuff as I can. My in ears, my iPad, my picks. You know, everything goes in there. In the pockets. Mm hmm. It's got tons of pockets. These things right. are amazing bags. I gig. Okay. And um, I'll bring my pedal board, which I have to check in, obviously. Right. And um, and then what I'll kind just, of case do you put the pedal board? It's an SKB board gotcha. that I bring with me. So it's flight worthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that I can check in. It's under fifty pounds, so I'm usually good. If yeah. you fly, you know, I have status on yeah, some sure. airlines, so you know, I usually don't have to pay for a bag. Sure. And then I just have my overnight carry-on roller bag that you know. Sometimes I gotta I gotta push a little to get both things on yeah, the plane, yeah. you know. But they're they're usually cool. So you carry in the, the guitar in the overnight bag, and then you're checking the pedal board, and that's it. You're ready to go. Yeah, that's yeah. your touring. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. gotta love it. For Keep the fly dates. Yeah, for the fly yeah. dates. Mm -hmm. When's the right moment to say no? Thank you. When when you get an opportunity and and you really think yeah, well you know what this doesn't really align with my core values. Well, how do you broach that? Saying I think no a thanks. lot of it comes down to you know let's face it, it comes down to money in in a lot of right a lot of things. Because you know we're musicians, we're we're paid to play music, right. and for the most part, that's great on any on any situation. But when you're asked to do stuff that you know, and not feeling like you're being rewarded for it the right way, yeah, you know, and you know we all know times are tough now when it when it comes down to us, yeah, and you know there's certain things that you you have to you have to just say to yourself and be real with yourself okay i'll do this but two things will i be happy huh. doing it which mm -hmm. you know forget all the stuff that you have to go through with with a job because it's a job <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, and, and yeah. you know there's going to be drama you know there's protocol you, you know, there's, all that yeah. stuff but will i be happy internally you know doing it for this 
And the other thing is that me and you both know is once I accept this, I might always be that guy. Well, hey, you know, he did it for this, so let's let's get him lower. You know, let's, you know, maybe we'll we'll strike a deal. And once you see that, and then, you know, it starts to become about other things. You know, look, as a side man, you know, it's not our dream. It's not our vision. Right. You know, it's somebody else's it's dream. Somebody, somebody else's, else's vision. vision. You know, and you have to accept that. You have That's to be right. okay with that. You have to resolve you know? that. And, and that. like me being let go for certain reasons or not being picked. That's what we signed up for. Right. You know, it's part of what we should know is the reality of this. Right. Hold you that know. thought. So, so, ba- so basically, sorry, it's, it's somebody it's, else's. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And you have to be okay with, with certain things. Right. You know, but if it doesn't, if it doesn't align with, you know, once you get past that, right. if you're still not happy, then, you know, you have to make some decisions. You know, the, the mm. bottom line is, I don't care who you are and, and who you're playing for. We're not safe. That's we're right. not safe. I always say that. You're don't get safe, comfortable. You know, and, and yeah. you know, yeah. th- thinking that you're invincible, Oof. even as, as, as a player, you know, you could be the hot kid one minute and there's always going to be somebody that's going to come in and, and, and take your spot. You know what I mean? Ooh, and with social media now, it's, the only difference is it's more visible. It's more visible. There have always been monster mm-hmm, players mm-hmm, out there. Mm-hmm. You just didn't know about it because there was no platform. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you can literally dial them up on your phone and be like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, that person yeah. is so mm-hmm. shredding alicious. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or okay. just somebody that just has it. You just know ha- what I mean? Yeah, 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 I've yeah, seen yeah. a couple of young kids, man, that I'm like, all right, they this is it. the kid. This is the kid that's going to do it. You know what I mean? And, Agreed. You know, Agreed. look, somebody eventually beat Mike Tyson. Somebody eventually <laughs> beat Muhammad Ali. I mean, they're out there. You know what so I mean? So true, it's, man. And that, that's the that's the thing. But you know, as you grow, yeah. and there's another thing we mm-hmm. talked about. It's the wisdom that you gain, and with that wisdom is your self worth. You know what I mean? It's your confidence. Okay. And how you this value is perfect. Yourself. Because let me just let me just preface this. Mm-hmm. This is negotiating mm-hmm. 101 here. Right. So right, your self-worth, right. how you value yourself, what you bring to the table. I was going to ask you, how do you approach that? Negotiating with management. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, I never talk to the artist about right. anything right, business. Right. Never, right. Ever. Okay. Ever. How mm-hmm. do you negotiate? Like again, so we know you go to management. Look, mm-hmm. how do you deal with that? What? How do you? You know, broach well, that subject. You know, I, I want everything laid out before I say anything. You know, before mm. I accept anything or, or. But how do you get management to take that bait? Because a lot of times they ask you, "What do you want?" Mm-hmm. They're trying to get you to put a number out. Before, right. You know right, what I mean? Right, how right. do you? Well, if I do that, you know, I have my numbers in my head right. of of what it would take. You right. know, and you always shoot high, man. You know what I mean? You shoot high, you you know, you hope for the best. Right. You know, because obviously you're going to go down from from there. Most of the time, you know, people are, you know, everybody's trying to cut corners. You know, I think I, I've been in a situation where, you know, they had to come to me and say, hey, we can't pay you what we were paying you, right. you know, last year or whatever. I've been in situations you know, too, yeah. I was on one tour. I did a tour for this artist for their first album and, you know, they were really successful. And then they, it was time to do the second, you know, the second record came out and they came to me like, Hey, you know, they want you back, Mm -hmm. but we can only pay you half of what, you know, and my thing was like, I understand, but I was like, you know, when you work a job, 
and you put some time in, you're supposed to get a raise, you know, yeah. <laughs> not go the <laughs> not other way. But our, 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 you know, our field doesn't work like that, you right. know, right. and, you know, we have been hit pretty hard, especially in the last 10 years, you know, it, it, it's, right. it's, I've seen it take a dramatic, dramatic fall. But, you know, you have to know not only your worth, but the, the artist's worth. All right. You know what I mean? And what other value is being brought to the table aside mm -hmm. from the monetary right, uh, right, compensation? Right. You know, one of the things I always say, that uh, you're really not in a position to negotiate until you're willing to walk. Right. If mm -hmm. you know that mm -hmm. you can walk away from right. the gig, exactly. then you can exactly. say, you know, okay, now we can negotiate yeah. because now it's going to mean something. Right, right. Other right, than right. that, really, mm -hmm. negotiating doesn't exist because, like you said, if you're going to lower your price, that's not a negotiation. Right, right. That so, you're acquiescing. Mm -hmm, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're, you're, so, you're just giving. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. You're agreeing with them. Yeah, basically. absolutely. This wraps another episode of the Career Musician Podcast with yours truly, Nomad. One more thing I wanted to say about Joe. First of all, thank you for making the time, Joe. And also, Joe was a remix artist with his cousin Steve Argello in the late 90s, early 2000s back in New York City. And I really dig what they do. Guys, you should bring it back, man. Bring it back. All right, don't forget, subscribe, download, leave a review, very important, stream, check it out, share, like, follow, love the Career Musician Podcast. Until next time, rock and roll, R&B, and literally all styles in between. That's a wrap for today. Be sure to leave a review and subscribe to the Career Musician Podcast. I'm just a nomad, nowhere man. Writing the songs in this one-man band I know man, yeah I'm no man, Nomad here, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast, wanting to tell you all about PantheonPodcast.com network. I am a part of this collective that is solely music-based podcasts. And guess what? It is the only one of its kind on the globe so far. It is a collective of an independent network of podcasts all based on music, which dig into the culture, technology, history, and everything else you can imagine that has to do with music. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to check us out at PantheonPodcasts.com.